STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast invites you to enter a strange new world. An unusual matriarchal society. And I take that to mean that matriarchal societies are unusual, not that this one is an unusual <laughs> matriarchy. That's, I think that's what he's going for. That's right. Andrew and Dave explore this new civilization, a planet run by women? In our history, we had societies like this, but they've evolved. Oh, yeah? Have they now? That's what they say. Well, I think we need to challenge that point. We'll do that tonight on Angel One. They'll also discuss important topics like Trek hairdos and hair don'ts. Which I guess, you know, the mullet just comes around every hundred years or so. <laughs> it's a natural part of, of um, human evolution. Then they'll talk about the epitome of manhood. Ramses. The pouty revolutionary starring Ramsey. The boys will trigger your senses. He says, it's quite, quite provocative. Don't you think so, Captain? <laughs> the captain goes, no, no. I think it smells. And they'll get back to the gals of Angel One. Hey, they just want to rule. And this is this is really ridiculous, right? So if you have a dominant female species, you're going to have a passive male species. That that's just how it is. Join us and boldly go where no man or woman has gone before. Coming at you right about now. All carbon-based units. Podcast get, will commence. Get ready. In five, four, four, full frontal, three, Star Trek, two, action. <laughs> engage. One, engage. Hey, welcome everybody to everybody's favorite new podcast, STTNG's Not Another Star Trek God, Podcast. Not another one. Starring two of your favorite uh, personalities is what I want to call us right now. <laughs> Okay. I feel that I'm a realized being, but yeah, personality is fine. If as a as a being, don't you have a personality? Yeah, but the that personality is not the totality of my being, but go ahead. Okay. I am okay. I'm Commander Dave. And I'm Lieutenant Commander Andrew. Oh, oh, oh I, I see. See, because tonight I will be taking the captain's chair. Yes. Move over, number one. Thank you for warming it up. So I could put my my French-English buttocks. Do you think one of my cheeks is French and one is English? And there's probably some really awful... The Queens? The there's Queens probably some awful joke there yes. about uh, traversing the channel, but I'm not going to get into it. I am going to say, however, the chair should be warm because as anyone who has looked at our website, yes. TNGs.com, you've seen the photo of me spilling oh. out of that chair with my enormous bucks. <laughs> Okay. Do do you um do you have uh do you, are you wearing any kind of Starfleet uniform right now? I really uh, don't want to infect the imagination of the listener, but yes, <laughs> that's not an infection. It's just not obvious. As, as um, Sylvester Stallone said in uh, Cobra, do you, ever, do you ever enjoy Cobra? 
Oh, of course. That's a terrible movie. Yeah. Cobra's got one of the greatest lines. Actually, when I saw Cobra, I was a teenager still, and, and I was a big Stallone fan, but I actually turned that movie off after after the scene in the there's a supermarket shootout scene in the beginning back back in the yes. days when it was fun to have like people shooting machine guns in public space remember those good times yeah back back when that was yeah back when that was yeah, popular that, those, yeah the good old days he he comes in he says yeah you're the disease and i'm the cure <laughs> That was that was the big tagline from that movie. Actually, that's one of the few things he says in that movie. I don't think the character says much at all. He's very pre-verbal in that movie. And it also stars his uh, soon-to-be bride, Bridget uh, Nielsen. Br- can you say with your French accent, please? Bridget Nielsen. I, I don't know that I can say that in a French accent. Br- Bridget? Brigitte. Can you uh, give me the line? Brigitte? I think she's a, a Swede or some such. Uh, she read Sonia. Can you do the uh, line? You're... You're the disease. I'm the cure. <laughs> you want to you hear my favorite Stallone yeah. moment? And I don't know how much this is getting into the podcast. Oh, it just depends on how delightful it is. It, it, comes, from, it comes from Rambo, First Blood Part 2. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Where he plays against Julia Nixon, who was going to show up in uh, uh, very Wait, soon what? in Star Trek Wait, The Next from, Generation. Julia from, Nixon. Uh, uh, Sex and City? From Rambo. Wait. No, no, not that Julia Nixon. Julia Nixon, the uh, former wife of David Soule of Starsky and Hutch. She played the Vietnamese native who helps escort John Rambo upriver. I'm not sure I'm going to enjoy this quote, (laughs) but you go ahead. And Rambo says that he's expendable. And she says, and this is what she says. I'm sorry, this is, it's terribly racist, but she says, Rambo, what mean expendable? And she says it just like that. She doesn't try to do... (laughs) A really bad accent. She just says, Rambo, what mean expendable? And Rambo says the following. Please prepare yourself. It's like they invite you to a party and you don't come and it don't matter. (laughs) Sylvester Stallone, a national treasure. (laughs) Well, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we're doing here is we are going through each and every episode of one of our favorite television shows, Star Trek The Next Generation, and we are revisiting them. Oh, my god! Each one. Did you know that? I, I did know that, yeah. Does this come as a surprise to you somehow? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I, I, I feel very much uh, like I knew what I was doing when I... Okay, okay. That's good. That's good. So so what, what we're doing right now, what we're doing tonight is that we are on episode 13, and we are making our way through all 178 episodes. Good job. Good job, Dave. Thank good you. job. Thank you. Just in case... People don't know the show had a seven-year run, a long run, lots of episodes. That's yeah, pretty long. Our, our website is TNGs, so T-N-G-E-E-Z dot com. Go see it. Uh, you'll love it, too, because there's, there's, um, we're archiving these uh, links to these episodes. You know, I have to tell you, you know how I know that we're doing this podcast? Because there's no way in hell I would have watched this episode, Angel One, Unless I was being somehow compelled to, we we had a little a little mini run over the last two episodes. We had Data Lore, which was yes. we're putting it in the good episode category. Yes, we are very much so. And then we had the Big Goodbye, also a very good episode. We're backtracking a little bit. It's it's in the vein of some of the other of these early episodes we've seen. It's offensive. It's there 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 are some there are some offensive moments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've had a few episodes that are kind of nothing episodes. And so those are those are a little yeah. more challenging to talk about. 
Tonight, tonight we're going to hopefully entertain you by uh, taking apart Angel One, looking at the pieces, and um, and uh, trying to make some sense of it for anybody that cares. I have to tell you, though, that the one thing I do like about Angel One is you have a two-word title. It's true. They actually do go to Angel One right. as opposed to Haven. That's all I got. Angel One. Haven was um, the planet in the episode Haven. Where Deanna Troy, <laughs> in the titular Haven. It was the eponymous Haven. Where, where Deanna Troy had her, uh, her marriage arranged for her a few episodes back. Yes. Until those lepers crash the party. What we hope is that maybe you, you, you pause the podcast right now and go and watch um, the episode if you want to make some more fun. If not, there's going to be a lot of nonsense that's funny to laugh at anyways. And, and, and I really don't know if I feel good asking people to go watch Angel well, One. Fans, if we have any fans mm. who actually mm. go and watch Angel One, I mean that demonstrates your dedication. And I, I gotta, I gotta say to you, thanks and sorry. <laughs> so, what happens in this episode? We've got you. Go ahead and tell me. Oh, okay. So the oh, inter- I you, you want to say it? We got, was, we got, I was, I was breathing in. I was inhaling because I thought you were asking me. Take a deep breath, number one. <gasps> So, so unlike Picard, you're willing to uh, cede command to uh, lower <laughs> echelon officers well, instead of sending Riker down. Riker's gone, so anybody else can be in command this episode. Well, we'll get. Yeah, that's sorry, I forgot about that. Jordy is uh, Jordy gets his his first crack at the at the big chair here, as I like this. They have to call it the big chair. Speaking of cracks, so they're looking for a survivor. I'm cracked. Wait, wait, I just cracked one. Hey, you know what? I like that when you have a beverage. I I think I'll join you. Hmm. Ah, oh, good. Double mm. double drinking. I love it. Do you let me tell you something that's great about this beverage I'm I'm drinking right now. You know what? It's 100% frank yeah. free. Oh, wow. Are are you again having the the Perrier? I will never not have these Perriers. You francophile. We have recently become, and by we, I mean myself and my beautiful wife, have recently become uh, acquainted with Boobly. I think oh it's God. called Boobly. B-U-B-L-Y. Is that some... And I'm having a cherry Boobly. Is this one? <laughs> I don't even know what these stupid drinks are called now. That that all the kids are drinking. Like the infused. It's, it's, it's like La Croix, only they spend more time showing it fruit. Would you say it's more or less fruit forward? It's more fruit forward. Are it you saying the thing forward. that I'm calling LaCroix is actually called LaCroix? Well, in French, it would be right. called Le Croix. Le Croix. Uh, just like it would be Perrier. Well, but I'm going to have a tough time if I ever go to France, I'm telling you. I'm sure you'll be fine. Just, le- just lean on the lessons you learned from everyone's favorite Frenchman, Patrick Stewart. So the, the Enterprise D is just out looking for survivors from some freighter, the Odin, a, a Federation ship, but it's not a Starfleet ship, which is something that's going to come up later because they're not going to be able to take them off planet against their will. It does, it does. But it's been gone for seven years. Whew. And finally, someone says, you know what? Maybe we ought to send the flagship out to check on these fellas. And in fact, they do. And they find, uh, find them on a planet called Angel One which is a non-Federation planet that, that supposedly has some strategic value that's mentioned early on and never mm. mentioned again. But as Picard tells us, Angel One is an unusual matriarchal society. And I take that to mean that matriarchal societies are unusual, not that this one is un- an unusual matriarchy, <laughs> but that matriarchies in general are unusual that's I think that's what he's going for. He also notes that um, this is 
a thing of Earth's past, that the, the patriarchal society. In our history, we had societies like this, but they've evolved. Oh, yeah? Have they now? That's what they say. Well, I think we need to challenge that point. We'll do that tonight on Angel One. <laughs> SDTNG. One of the weirdest things that that happens is they go to the planet and then like the president of the planet, the ministress, the elected one, the elected one. I want to read anything that should be read by a robot like that. The elected carbon based unit. The elected one comes on the screen actually answering the phone for the planet, which is very yes. not in the spirit of uh, what she should be doing. But <laughs> Picard decides <laughs> that it would be best to have one of the women on the ship speak. And he enlists our, our favorite empath, Deanna Troy. I should also point out, this reminds me that at Haven, remember there was a woman in charge of, of Haven. And she also answers the phone. Can you imagine coming to Earth and like they put a president, our president on the on the, the phone to answer the phone? Oh God, please no! And no, I don't no, mean no. our particular no, no, no. president. <laughs> I mean a president, any president. Yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. don't you think there's a person that that picks up the space phone when they come in, like when for the first call? <laughs> you know, I understand. Like I understand. Eventually, you want to talk to a, an official. So, so what do you say? Thinking like Lily Tomlin or something? It's <laughs> yeah. like, as, oh God, I'm sorry, I'm really old. So the elected one, Biada, yes, Biada, and this is a, a horrible, stupid name, Biada. You know, it's playing off beauty, playing off the notion of the word beauty. We've already had an ode in a, a, like a, this male name spaceship, and we're going to get a Ramses coming. Yeah, up. right. His name is Ramses. He's a great Hurnid <laughs> Ram. He's a Ram of a man. <laughs> Ramses. Yeah. And he's got that great mullet. Oh, yeah. And he's yeah, got he's... such a sparkling personality. You can see why they'd want him on this planet. <laughs> But I want to say this about Beata, and I want to say this about Ramses, and I want to say this about pretty much everyone in this who is not a series regular. This has got to be, and and God bless you, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you played Beata or you played Trent, the acting is just unprecedentedly flat. And it's not even that it's so much bad as it's just really flat they don't really seem to be throwing themselves into the right. roles too much and i don't think they give them much of a role roles to throw into well, so so yeah ramsey is just you know kind of mopey right and ready to die right and beata is very one-dimensional and and just obnoxious it's just everything she's got a real chip on her shoulder she does and this is where i feel bad for the actors because you know when you have across the board characterizations like this it's the writing and the directing yeah. i mean these poor actors come in and they do i mean this is like their shot sometimes sure if it's across the board flat performances it's it's not their fault and it's sad because then <laughs> this is how you remember biata whoever the actress is no karen montgomery karen, karen montgomery. montgomery karen montgomery and of course sam hennings plays ramses Ram why is he named he's not much of a ramsey Ramsey. Well, because again, I mean, it's it's part of that obnoxious coding that they have for this particular episode. It's like she's Beata, and then the other, the only other character from Angel One is is Ariel, right? Right. Which, by the way, is a male name. I mean, it's supposed to be. I know it's a bit attached to the Little Mermaid. It is, but in Shakespeare, you know, Ariel is a male sprite, and Ramsey, of course, is is supposed to be a counterpoint to Trant. They both look like they came from the same um, casting call, to be honest. I mean, the Ramsey really? isn't. Really? Don't you think? I mean, No, no. 
He's a little fella. He's a little. He's he's in the uh, elf brigade, the uh, the lollipop guild, I think, <laughs> is where he's from. But the other guy, he's not like some big hulking guy. I mean, they purposely didn't cast a, a Michael Dorn in that in that role. No, very very true, very true. And again, he has that space mullet, which I guess you know the mullet just comes around every hundred years or so, <laughs> and uh, he's definitely got the uh, the party in the rear there. It's a natural part of of um, human evolution, the return of the, the mullet. The, the Angel One haircuts are pretty bad just in general. I mean, there's a lot of hot comb action on Angel One. I think Angel One is uh, a real hot comb kind of planet. Well, it's it's the 80s, of course. And the, and the mullet is like, you know how I like, I like to describe the mullet? The mullet is like the, um, it's like the uh, human Ferengi uh, uh, hair sh- uh, skirt. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're, the seam of the mask is in the back of the mullet. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but but see, the problem is we're supposed to believe that Beata is so concerned that the survivor of the, that Ramses and the survivor of the Odin, and why they, they should have named it like the Thor or the Hercules, this rocket-shaped space penis. But they're listless. I mean, they're just, he is the, he's sitting there drinking his beverage, you know, hugging right. his wife. He just sort of like casually walks over to be disintegrated. And he's <laughs> not doing anything at any point to to resist anything that's happening to him. A- except, you know, he pouts a lot. And, and there's that one scene that's particularly obnoxious where it, it, it's like towards the end when they're, uh, before they're about to execute them, mm-hmm. that the whole group is together. Like you see all the other survivors and all the other wives and children of the survivors. Right. And, and Ramses, and again, this is bad directing, but Ramsey keeps moving around the room, but he does a kind of pouty thing. <laughs> and he just kind of, I'm just going to stand right. over here now and be my myself. Yeah, he does. So Yar can come up to him and say, aren't you listening, mister? Well, what's funny is it's like that whole scene, it's it's as if, and I don't mean Jonathan Frakes, the actual director, I mean Riker. It's as if Riker is directing the scene, because I don't know if you remember. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Yeah. Haven. When he's up against the, yeah, he pouts. There was a lot of pouting, so maybe Riker was getting in there doing some early directing. The Pouty Revolutionary, starring Ramsey. Well, you can see, you know, part, part of having the actors be characters creates something that they call dramatic tension in it. I didn't care if the guy got executed. That was the thing. I mean, he was right. There was nothing at stake for me, and 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 I kind of I kind of wanted it to be over. I have to tell you too, the the fo- folks of Angel One seem really casual about keeping their disintegrator out in the open. And there's like even when the away team beams away, they they walk towards the disintegrator, right. and they're in the doorway of the disintegrator. And right. and when you know Beata leaves to to consider the mansplaining of Riker. Ramsey just sort of stands there in the disintegrator. They they just seem very casual about their disintegration on Angel One. You can't. It's not like you can just walk into and get disintegrated, is it? You have to like touch each side, and then then um, Trent has to uh, and then Trent uh, has to jack that orb. Well, I don't know if you have to touch each side because the vase, the vase that they're destroying it. I don't know whose vase that is. Oh my god! But they obviously go to the uh, Angel One version of of Pier One. Or, or living spaces or whatever and get the shittiest face they can and then disintegrate <laughs> it. And it's just there to show off the disintegrator because, you know, everyone in that room should know what the disintegrator is going to do. That's right. It's only Riker and company who does it. Well, it's funny because then that, there's that face, but then Riker comes down with the Albanian meditation crystal too. <laughs> Albanian? <laughs> is that what it's called? It's the Al- Albanian. 
Benny or Albanian. Or, yeah, it's something like that. Wouldn't it be funny if he, he, uh, he uh, if they if they destroyed that crystal instead? Well, that that crystal, of course, involves putting a, a rod into a hole to make it light up. You know, just like all the other crystals that you're used to using do. Wow, subtle. <laughs> that is one hard crystal. Speaking of hard crystals. It's obviously cold on Angel One. Did you notice that? Why do you say that? There's a lot of stiff nips. <laughs> I didn't. Trent Trent threatens to put it put some eyes. Are out. you are you commenting about the erectness of nipples in this episode? <laughs> I did, there's a lot of erect nipples. Uh, listen, listen. I was not paying that close of attention. I did notice. I did notice that there were a lot of nipples. I, I mean, the yes. nipples are not exclusive to to uh, Angel One, like the actual planet. No, this is like a this no. is. Probably per uh, episode, the the most nipples being shown in one episode of Star Trek so far, at least. Yes, our nipple, our nipples per square inch. <laughs> uh, do you want to go over uh, the greatest hit, greatest nipple hits uh, in this episode? Well, okay, so Riker, and then who it, else? It's, well, well, our, our captain shows his nipples too. Yes, he does, and it's the first time we see the captain without his shirt, which you know. In the original series, we keep talking about how right. Next Generation takes off in the original series, but but Kirk has been like half naked a hundred times right. now in TOS time, or I'm sorry, the original series time versus uh, Next Generation. But yeah, there's there's some Picard nip right there, <laughs> and then we've got Trent, the uh, Gelfling, and um, and then Rikes, of course, and then Riker. Yeah, oh, furry, furry <laughs> right. Riker. When 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 she pets, when Beata pets him. Like runs her hands through her his chest hair. My wife just like literally shuddered. <laughs> she shuddered at that. She was just like, "That was so gross." <laughs> Why? What's wrong with that? Come on. He he needs he needs a little uh, uh, a little grooming. I think. Well, he's got a serious pelt there. I mean, he is clearly ready for winter. I can't even imagine a situation like if a, if, a, if a planet of of females came down to our planet. We wouldn't be sitting there saying like, "Oh, I bet you're just saying that because I'm a man." Right. I guess that's because I'm a man. You say that. But every five seconds, it's like, are you saying it because I'm a woman? The defensiveness implies that they've come into contact with a lot of male species. And I don't think we get that sort of background in this. They're very evasive in yes. the beginning about even get having outsiders come in. Well, but I'm going to say this. This is not a matriarchal society. This is a man's. Oh, right idea oh, right. of a matriarchal society this is like a man's idea of feminism it's like it's like it's like there's a checklist it's like mr roddenberry if you can make anything tell us if you could do if you could have any episode give us your wildest fantasy and he's like uh oh uh, geez man i i always wanted to have an episode where there was a planet well first of all i wanted a planet where they were all black people Second on that list on a planet where they're all women wouldn't that be that's every a young boy's fantasy dream I've always wanted to see that come true. I have to tell you, your Gene Roddenberry sounds vaguely furring. Yes. If you if you had some like teeth in there, I, I, it would have been. Uh... That was, if I, that's, that's, oh no! I, I didn't mean to open the door. There's a little, there's a little Reverend Jim in there too. <laughs> our, our our listenership, I know, has enjoyed my Picards, my evolution. Of a Picard voice, right? The evolution. They're, they're, they're a trek in and of itself. It, it, is, it is. But I, I do have a couple voices in my back pocket, okay? That I've been saying. Wow. All okay. Right. You might want to keep them there. Um, no. So the Federation is meant to represent a more egalitarian society, which is ridiculous, of course, because as we've pointed out, especially focusing on our beloved Tasha Yar, 
this is like a really sexist show. On the point of it being written, as I was watching this episode, I was thinking about all the issues that they're trying to touch on. And it's like they take everything they can about sexism and gender and women and they decide we're going to answer that all in one episode like we don't have to deal with that anymore like here's like something that should be a piece of the entire show and it's dealt with in this one episode in such a sloppy and lame way well and it doesn't forgive the sexism and code of honor it doesn't forgive the sexism and hiding cue it doesn't forgive that all the other sexism and every other episode we've seen well, there. I, I, this is so strange because I, are they thinking that this is an enlightened presentation? Yes, that yes. they're like, hey, we'll show them, we'll show them what it means to be enlightened. Well, I think they are, and I think that's the that's the problem. I, mean, I think that's why it comes off thirty years later it's so clunky. But I remember reading Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes were often commenting about the sexism on the show. Uh, Patrick Stewart was uncomfortable with a lot of the elements in the show when they were shooting it. And I know, oh, yeah. and I know that a lot of okay. these episodes, like this one in particular, many members of the cast have come out against, you know, in later years. Yes. Well, and I got to say, one of the 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 key elements of this episode that is that is so offensive to me is Trent. Trent. And he'll come back and uh, he'll play the non-gendered uh, daughter of Data before Data's daughter oh. becomes oh, really? his daughter. It's just like this non-gendered android. But but this little fella, he's put in his just awful outfit, yeah. and he just kind of walks around, puts on some perfume, looks really vexed at times, stressed at others. Yeah. And the idea that feminism is going to lead to these emasculated maleettes, right. these little manlings, right, as opposed to any kind of equality or right. any kind of balance is is just horrible. You've got these women, and... They are more powerful than the men, so they yes. they want to portray them as physically more powerful. So then you have yes. Trent, and I don't know how many other smaller men they cast. Yes, petite, petite men, <laughs> petite men. But what they they're like little elflings or something. Yeah, but it's like little fellows. Well, first they not cast like a bunch of Grace Joneses or something like really tall, <laughs> earth hulking <laughs> women because the, then they wouldn't have been sexy. And that's part of the fantasy right, exactly. here. Exactly. Mr. Roddenberry, if you can make anything. Right. And and that's part that's part of the fantasy here that, that you're going to this this like boner planet. <laughs> so what I don't understand though is tell me if I'm wrong, is that eventually evolution will catch up and women and men will be like the same size and shapes. Is that what's being said on the show? I, I think there's there's the implication that if you have a dominant and this is this is really ridiculous, right? So if you have a dominant right female species you're going to have a passive male species that that's just how it is right and it doesn't account for there's plenty of examples in nature where the gendered right. creatures you know share strengths and share attributes you know i think about lions the male lion's big and strong and powerful right. and fights and the female lion is big and strong and powerful and hunts you don't want to be on either side, right? I mean, you don't. You, if you see a lioness coming at you, a female lion coming at you, you're not like, oof, that's better. I mean, there's a whole galaxy of other races, supposedly, that are part of the Federation and that they've come right. across, including Klingons. Klingon females are, are pretty formidable. Oh, exactly. And so are the Romulan females when we finally get to it. I mean, the Romulan females end up playing very important roles. That's right. 
in the show, and including you know when Denise Crosby comes back oh, playing right. uh, the Romulan commander. I, you know, they're powerful, powerful figures, and they are they are equal in many ways to the the males in their society. The show itself still remains like if you see a Klingon ship, there's always a male Klingon in command, right? And there's a lot of talk about the inheritance of the sons. Right. But you do have a couple of very strong female uh, Klingons in Lursa and Bator who are featured during our Klingon Civil War episodes and who show up, actually end up dying in generations, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, but at least they're formidable. <laughs> you know, they're formidable presences. Here, <laughs> becoming a strong, powerful woman does not lead to a bunch of like wimpy Klingons in weird. What what color is he wearing? Like purple? I'm sorry, I'm colorblind. He's wearing like some weird. Oh, no, it's like some kind of pastel. Like uh, it's a light color with, with with a neckline that goes down to his abs, right? And and yeah. So the his what's furry funny, little man chest is hanging out. He's got his little uh, peck hanging out on one side. <laughs> he's a little this poor guy. I was thinking about the casting call, right. and then he's like, now, 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 now. Yeah, I need little, littler, littler, smaller. I mean, it's like like how do you feel if you're that act? <laughs> And I don't know. Let's see those nipples. Let's see those nipples. If they're not pink and perky, he's reading like drama log, and he goes like, "Oh, oh finally, <laughs> there's a there's a part for me. <laughs> I've been waiting my whole life to play." <laughs> Put some rub some ice cubes on his nipples and goes in for the uh, audition. Hi, I'm Trent. Are you opening up another mm -hmm. one? Don't tell anyone. You are double double right. fisting it. <laughs> What else goes on in this episode, I oh, wonder? So they, they go down to the planet and to look for this missing uh, ship, right? Yes. Our uh, away team is led by number one. Number, number one. Number one. My, my favorite diplomat. Oh, meantime, up on the ship, uh, Wesley and friend have been in a snow fight, a virtual snow fight on the holiday. And those, that, speaking of outfits oh my god did they get those snowsuits from angel one <laughs> i got those they definitely got those from 1988 when wesley showed up for the first time which is about like right after the credits end or maybe during the credits right in the opening he's got right. his snowsuit on and he's going to go on a field trip with his buddy and they're wearing these goofy they look like elves like uh like trent should be wearing excuse these. me excuse me commander dave yeah. hi i'm an audience member and i haven't seen this episode what does that snowsuit look like? I'm about to tell you for crying out loud. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I get it. I get I It's get a shiny sometimes. silver suit, and it's got a matching silver headband that both the boys are wearing. <laughs> <laughs> and and I did laugh out loud when I saw it. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> I'm like, what is and, going and, on? It's him and his, it's Wesley and his little friend. Hey, buddy, let's go throw snowballs at each other. Let's put on our silver leotards and have a snow <laughs> battle. Let's pick up snowballs, we'll throw them at each other, and we'll see them in our mind. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> that, and I just want to point out to everybody that I, I, am a, I, I, I want to run a uh, no Wesley bashing podcast. So that, that was not, yes. not anti-Will Wheaton in any way. Nope. No, it's not. It's not his fault that wardrobe no. said here. You know, wrap your your young body in <laughs> some uh, saran wrap and put on a headband from a Jane Fonda <laughs> right. video 
and then throw fake snow at your little friend. Right. And then don't, and I mean, can you imagine poor, <laughs> the poor actors in his trailer looking at himself going, Oh, Oh man, what have I gotten myself into? I said, no to <laughs> stand by me too. So I can do the series. <laughs> Keep standing by me. I think me. I made a, he was a big deal for a while there. I mean, not that he isn't, not that he isn't. Don't, 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 don't let me disparage Will Wheaton. So they get away. They catch a virus in the holodeck, and yes, then, and yes. then they bring it back on board the ship somehow. It, it, see, that's why I don't understand because Crusher also says that some of them, you know, that she rounded up everyone who went on this field trip to another planet, and then at the same time, there's the the hint that this is coming from the holodeck, right. and it's it's really very very confusing because. We've talked, especially at the big goodbye, about what can exist inside and outside the holodeck. And I, I have to correct something. I made a huge mistake because I said that Picard was hit with a snowball in Farpoint when clearly it was here in Angel One that he gets hit with a snowball. What? 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 And uh, it's a mistake. I'm human. Find another god to worship. Uh... But the point being that that snowball should not exist, much less make Picard wet. And give right, him the, a cold. It shouldn't exist outside of the well, holodeck. Well, so yeah, it's uh, Worf and Picard are standing there in the hall, and they get hit, and and then that's when Worf smells. He smells something strange, and he calls it like the throngy or something like that. Yeah. Yes, it's quite stimulating. <laughs> no, he says. He says it's quite quite provocative. Don't you think so, Captain? The captain goes, No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I think it smells. <laughs> it smells like your uniform after a week oh. of shooting. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if we've talked about the stinky uniforms enough, but uh, this <laughs> this is this is mid mid season at this point. The cast c- ends up complaining quite a bit about how uncomfortable the uniforms are, and then how smelly they are because they use some sort of you know synthetic, yeah, Spandex, some kind of synthetic, yeah. and they and it holds it holds all the smell in. It would be bad if you're one of the guest stars because then you have to wear a uniform that somebody else has worn. Some other smell. Right, at least yeah. Picard gets his own stink in there. <laughs> and then they're shooting these shows. Like for the shoots are really long. I mean, they go on for a long time. Oh yeah, under under very intense right. lighting too, because we've talked about the poor yeah. lighting before. But those lights are so intense they have to be it's really hot. warm. Mm-hmm. The this virus on the holodeck. Oh so wait, wait, what we're this... ta- talking about a virus. Oh yeah, yeah. So the holodeck can produce viruses. Yeah, it is confusing. Is that what I'm to? I that's I don't get it. They spent a lot of time thinking about this holodeck. They really did. It's like a cool invention, but the rules, which should be really simple, just aren't. Before we've talked about how you can wear the uniforms out of the holodeck, and there's sort of a conceit to that because it's fun to watch the characters wearing their. No, they have to dress up. I mean, so in the big goodbye, they dressed up before they went in. Right, and so it's cool because you're seeing them wear these you know, 1940s suits on the, you know, 24th century right. Enterprise bridge. And that's kind of cool. So I can, I'll, I, I think that's okay to let that one go. But even though it doesn't make sense, the fact that the virus can spread through the holodeck should probably be its own episode. Yeah. It seems like there's right. a lot to that. And and maybe, you know, what if there was a story where somebody planted a virus in one of these programs on purpose, and then you could play with this idea about computer right. virus, which there weren't any versus you know, real virus. You could have had a whole show about that. It would have been interesting. But for some right. reason, it was very important to get the crew sick in this episode. And I and I'm 
pointing that out because I think it speaks to the lack of sensitivity towards what they're trying to write about in this episode about equal rights for men and women. And they're, and they're doing it in this heavy handed 1988 way. But it's like, if you're really writing about that, if, do you need to have this other subplot going on in the enterprise at the same time? It's about like getting a cold where everybody's getting sick. Well, because they don't have enough plot. And this goes back to something we've talked about a couple of times already, that there's there's not enough plot to go around for all right. the characters. And I do want to give this to this particular episode. They actually have an interesting away team. And the members of the away team actually this time have functions. Ah. So Yar is active. Troy is active. Data is active. Uh, and Riker, we know, is extra active. <laughs> Point man. But but the other three are actually, you know, they're doing their jobs. And it's nice to see them right. not standing around, you know, drinking a beverage from Q or just watching as something's right. unfolding. They're actually being proactive and you get to see some character come out. And if there's any, like, good moments in this episode, yes. it's that. That that Yar and and again Denise Crosby has to be thinking to herself, right. God, finally I have something to do, because there's also a couple of scenes where she's just sort of sitting down, you know, like screwing with a sculpture in front of her. Right. She just looks bored as hell, and I'm thinking, oh, this and the fact that she doesn't get to give the speech, the mansplaining speech at the end that Riker gives, yeah, you know, is why she leaves. That has to. I mean, I, I can see she's bored as hell. You could have had a whole female away team. And I I mean, the only reason you don't have that is because somebody was really hot to have Riker have sex with this, the president of the planet, Beata. Right. Because it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be, oh, look, he's right. in the woman's position. He's being forced to wear that outfit. She's talking about his eyes. Look how, how right. wise we are. We're going to send our diplomats in the 24th century who are men down to, to woo the leaders and have sex with them like they used to do in the good old days. Right. And he says that thing, but no. will you respect me in the morning, right? So he is like the seduced party. No, I, I lost respect for you a long time ago, Riker. You're going to have to build it back up. When that trombone comes in is when I start gaining respect again. <laughs> that trombone is a perfect <laughs> metaphor for Riker, though. You know, Riker is the worst person to lead this mission, right? I mean, he is he is well, such a... He right. is a little bit too eager. If you wanted to make the point, you should have had a character who would be reluctant <laughs> About having sex with Beata. <laughs> exactly. And you want He can't wait. I'm surprised he waits yeah, as can, long Captain, as he does. Uh, can I get down that planet as quickly as possible? <laughs> I, I got to stand behind all these displays because I've got a big one, if you know what I mean. I mean, I'm standing behind that giant <laughs> council that Andrew sat on in the picture, and I don't want anybody to see my space boner. I got to tell you, I'm ready to engage. <laughs> commander, Commander, come into my ready room before... Going down to the planet. To talk about a manual docking? Come, come in, come in, come in. Remember what happened on Capricorn 1? Capricorn 1, yes, of course, as if it were yesterday. I remember what happened. Captain? I want you to go down there. Oh, I intend to go down there, Captain. Be gentle. And number one, think about pleasuring the lady this time. It's not all about... <laughs> think about her needs. Riker is such a, a horn dog. I mean, there's, there's, he's such a leering. And, I know, and, but where's cat? Where's the captain in all this? Like, where's the conversation where he's he's, a, he's in he's topless in bed having yet another illness? Isn't this yeah, like the so, fourth illness he's had or the fifth illness he's had? So I think this is an interesting turning point because yes, he's the old man still, and he is getting sick and he's yep. vulnerable. And Riker goes down to do the 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 Randy work down on the 
planet and he's busy upstairs getting sick. But as we noted, this is our uh, Picard the big nipple reveal. And so this is like At last. this is like a turning point in a way. I mean, do I mean I think. I mean, is this where we start getting more like the sexy Picard starts coming in? Just a hint of the sexy Picard. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you because I don't think there's anything sexy about what's happening. No, there. It's not sexy, but I'm just saying like Sweating, sweating old man. You no, know, no, he is old, and, he, and then as the episode progresses, he gets sick, and it's supposed to be funny to hear him. <laughs> oh, I, I'm coming down with something, brotherly. <coughs> and, and, and is this the second or third time? Is this? Oh, jeez. Is this the second or third time that Beverly relieves him? <laughs> this is the second time, but the thing is, she he's much more agreeable about being relieved this time because remember how remember how they had to steal themselves to deal with relieving the captain? Right. I think that was a, that was the second episode. That was no, no, no. That was the lonely, uh, the lonely among us when he's been taken over. He's clearly been taken over by this this outside right. entity, 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 and they have to have this big talk about right. relieving. They're him. scared of it, and then they, then they realize like he's being possessed. And oh, thank. You know, I, I would just right. like to say thank you, Star Trek Universe, for not having another entity this episode. It's an entity. I, I'm always pointing out the Ferengi free, but, uh, entity, but free. entity free entity is free. it's really nice to have. So Crusher has to relieve him of duty. And who is the next in charge? Because Riker's down on the planet. Data's down on the planet at this point. Yes. And so step on up. Jordy LaForge. Jordy LaForge. This is the first mm-hmm. of two times he'll command the Enterprise. Oh. And they both happen here in the first season, and then he never does it again. Really? Oh wow! Yeah, disappointing. And it's 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 a big deal. It's a huge deal that he is in command of the Enterprise. This is the moment where you have your first black right actor, first black character commanding the Enterprise. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that is cool. I mean, they, and they're aware of it when they do it uh, on the show. They know what they're doing. That's a shame. Hearing that he doesn't do it again, because I I, I remember being excited about that moment. The first time around, I I figured there were many other times that he had that opportunity. No, he'll do it again in an episode called Arsenal of Democracy, which is which is a um, episode I'm very much looking forward to. Yeah, this is the first time Jordy takes the big chair. He's in command and it's a big deal. Of course, it doesn't last. And I think it's also significant because we've talked about the racism in the show. Michael Dorn playing Lieutenant Commander Worf is there with him and supports him, gives him advice you know, is is someone who also seems to be, and I don't know if this is sort of like a meta moment or whatever, but he's acknowledging the significance of Jordy being in command of that enterprise. He knows it's a big deal. Huh. That's interesting. I didn't I, I noted I liked that scene be, having the two of them be kind of running the bridge. Yes. That was cool. But I I didn't think about it that way. But no, that, maybe and and the only problem is it doesn't happen well, again. And that would be cool. I mean, I, I, you know, in an alternate universe, maybe, you know, that would have been a really cool way to go with it. I also want to note that this episode, I think, is the very first episode where Worf is actually funny on purpose. There's a funny exchange between Geordi and Worf. Because, yes. you know, we, we've talked about this virus that they have. Worf is starting to get sick. And so he's kind of reeling back and he's going to sneeze and he has this this huge sneeze he's like oh oh <laughs> it would have been great if they would have done an external <laughs> shot of the ship yeah and like the t- photon torpedoes like go sh- <laughs> <laughs> discharging out <laughs> boom <laughs> oh planet blows up a frankie aboard his ship going huh <laughs> yeah right. what was that stargazer 
yeah. they blow up the stargazer. <laughs> I think I may sneeze. And Jordy says, <laughs> Jordy says, a Klingon sneeze? Oh, I know, Jordy. Duh. <laughs> it's a funny line. It's doesn't uh don't they switch it up more later on though i just remember i remember data data uh roboting the the helm a number of times the captain's chair not a number of times i mean i think really? it's part of the function of having the two captains right right you have the captain you have Riker, uh and then occasionally you have data well maybe i'm thinking of just picard leaving the room and him going uh data you have the calm I guess yeah, that sure, happens that a lot, happens. right? Okay, all right, all right. So maybe that's what there'll I'm be thinking. later episodes in this season. So uh, Arsenal of Freedom when when Jordy is in the captain's chair, but it really is going to be a long time before there's any other kind of switch, and those switches actually become problematic. Like when Ronnie Cox takes over in that later right. series, Cardassian two parter. Holy mackerel, Cardassian. Gotta say Cardassian. Oh, and then when there's a disaster aboard the Enterprise and you have uh, Deanna Troy is in command at some point. And all of these things. Commander Troy? Deanna? Lieutenant Commander. Lieutenant. And there's that Romulan two-parter too, the the Klingon Romulan two-parter where you have Data actually in control of a ship for once. He's ah. a captain of a ship, and of course that's very problematic because he's all data about it. But right, you see right. that in this particular episode. You see what data's command style is, you know, sort of crunching numbers right, logic, and parsing yeah. data and being very, very creatively logical. But doesn't that logic get them off the planet, though? No, the, the logic is what makes it possible for them to still get to the neutral zone for this off-screen confrontation, which sounds a million times more exciting than anything else in this episode. I know. It's like the, the, the cruelty of that whole, yeah. by the way, there's a much more interesting episode happening right over there, but you won't see it. I mean, this is why I, you know, as I've noted how frustrated I am with the closed narrative episodes, wouldn't it be interesting if the next episode just went to the place they talked about instead of it never existing? Well, especially because this is um, the first reference to the Romulans this series. And you know how I feel about the Romulans. I love the Romulans, my favorite race. Space Buddha! <laughs> uh, I'm jonesing for some Romulans. Well, well, listen, I mean, we've had the Ferengi two times already. Yeah, right. And I, and I was in Q two times. I, I was reading that Roddenberry really wanted to start this thing off fresh. And so he purposely wasn't going to have any Vulcans in it. And I don't know if they mapped out the entire season. I know we get Romulans this season. And I think that that's yeah, like the a very last episode. It's a funny, it's a funny like holdout to say, we know you're coming back for Star Trek, but it's not going to be your old Star Trek. Well, especially because it is our old Star Trek. Right. I mean, we've talked in several episodes about how they continue to recall other episodes. In that way, it's so manic. But it is sort of odd that they end up with this, you know, like, we don't want Right. To have Vulcans in there, we're going to limit the Klingons, you're not going to see any Romulans, we want to establish a new race. Right. But by the way, here's the big goodbye, which is the holodeck version of Piece of the Action. <laughs> right. Oh, here's Justice, which is the next-gen version of uh, the Children of Vault. Right. And the, and the Naked Now, the second episode. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. And it's 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 just odd the way they they structure it. And I want to I want to say that it has to do with the fact that they really are you know sort of riffing on this. They're not sure where they're going. And we've talked about this too. They're not sure where they're going or what these characters are going to do 
or what their places are going to be. Right. And I think that's why this captain rotation here is interesting because you do get to see different uh-huh. styles of command. You get to see Jordy say, make it so. There's a great shot where he says that he does the he does the make it so. I think he's the only person who said make it so outside of the right. captain, right? So far. But I like it because the way he plays it, the way that, you know, he's kind of smiling when he's saying it, like he's doing a, he's saying what Picard yeah, does. And he's, and he's, he understands the significance of what he's doing. Right. Yeah. That, well, he's in the big chair. Yeah. You know, and again, we'll see it again in Arsenal of Freedom when Jordy's in command of the Battle Bridge and the way he treats his crew right. members there. I mean, we're, we're, we'll see different takes on this. It's just kind of strange that we don't see it as often as, as we probably should have. There were a, more than a well, few original series episodes where Scotty was in charge, where Scotty was making big decisions. Right, and and re- remember when remember those episodes where Ohura took over too? Those are some <laughs> of my favorites. I love that. Remember that episode where Ohura? She just didn't answer the phone. She also got coffee. <laughs> right, that was a, the thirsty captain episode. <laughs> yeah, and this is something I have been waiting for very eagerly said before we had we've already seen the first tricorder we saw that tricorder whip out data lore i know how hot you are for the star trek tech i think we need like a theme song for the tech corner or something like that (laughs) andrew's tech corner (laughs) but this is the first time they whip out the tricorder and (laughs) beverly crusher takes out that you're so excited about it (laughs) you're delaying my gratification i'm sorry to ruin your fun uh, here's some buzz kill. Or actually, you're a crick Sorry. kill because that's what happens. It opens, and they actually show it opening, and you hear the sound okay. for the first time. The I can't hang on. The first time you hear that thing, and it just makes me so happy. Yeah, is it the first? Yes, first click we get. Yes, we. <laughs> oh my god! What is wrong with you? What have I just been saying? <laughs> I know, but I guess what I'm trying, let me clarify. Have we heard the click before and not seen it opening and click? No, sir. This is the first time we've seen the thing thing unfold. We have never seen it unfold and make that particular sound effect. And that sound effect, along with the bosun's whistle from the original series, is, you know, these are my favorite sound effects. I love it. Oh, hang on a second. Let me wet my whistle here for this. There you go. That's good. Captain here. Captain, call from Starfleet. Admiral Tomac. Shut up, Spock, I'm busy. I used to have that old Playmates tricorder, next-gen tricorder. It never made that yeah. noise, but it would unfold uh. and make other noises. And I, I'm probably going to hit eBay after we're done recording. Why wouldn't they make that noise? Because no one is as interested in that noise as I am, Dave, okay? Is that what you want to hear? It's funny because that sound is a sound that you could make without any electronics you could just have the hinge make that sound when you open it up this is the toy i bought when i was like an older person right i mean this is something (laughs) that i i owned for quite a long time and i foolishly got rid of when i thought to myself well you know it's time to sort of let these things go and i never should let that go i i remember actually sitting like on my couch the first time i like lived by myself and i'm sitting there on my couch playing with my tricorder because i'm just kind of like What I want to know is, were you a college professor when you're doing that? No, not yet. Not yet. This was... Okay. All right. All right. I guess that's better. Or I'm sorry. Are you done talking about the? I'm done talking stuff? about it. All right. I feel like we have given this episode a great deal more energy than it gave us. <laughs> you have no idea, people behind the scenes. This one took a lot out of us. Really. Oh, this is yeah. This is this has been a uh, our own personal 
Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Andrew. Where do people go if they want to learn more more about what we're doing? More about here? our suffering? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, our suffering, our our, uh, our our bloodletting. What if you just can't get enough of us? It's like you're like, oh wait, we, these these guys, they're they're just too much. Where can I find out more information about what they're going to do next? Good news, listeners. You can now go to the new TNGs.com. That's T-N-G-E-E-Z dot com for all things TNGs. You'll see delightful pictures drawn by me and Dave. And animated GIFs, or as some people call them, GIFs. There's going to be animated GIFs? Of course there are. Wow. I've already animated up a few. You're thinking to yourself, how am I supposed to get through the day without reading some of these bon mo, some of these clever reposts from these jolly fellows <laughs> well good news use your phone use your computer any internet connected device oh we can be with you all the time hey alexa what's up with tngs uh, hey alexa what's up with the with what's up with the twiggy and dr theopolis show oh and that's the other thing be, be sure to watch upn for our new uh <laughs> twiggy and dr theopolis spinoff yeah 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 on the space road we're yeah when we're not doing our podcast we're pitching that kind of high concept stuff in hollywood <laughs> we're going up to wb later and we're going to toss that one around uh so you want to put this little uh angel to bed good night angel good night angel one good night little angel uh so i'd like to say <laughs> goodbye from st tng's not another Star Trek podcast. Sorry, me, Commander Davy Dave. And I'm Ambassador Andrew, a male chauvinist pig who's terrified of a female-dominated planet. <laughs> That's nice. All right. Until next time, everybody, let's go mine the store. Engage! Engage! Make it so! Make it so! Commander Data, right where it counts! Star Trek The Next Generation. It's more fun when you hear our narration. <laughs> Data, he's fully functional. He likes to give it to... Commander Yaw. <laughs> Star Trek The Next Generation. Of nipples <laughs> in this episode. That's three. Or six. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Just when you thought it was safe to get back in the space water, the Enterprise sails into port with one one zero zero one zero zero one. <laughs> Dave and Andrew will discuss the Marie Kondo approach to enterprise waste management. Like after some giant state visit of the Klingons and the Ferengi, the containment field around the septic tank starts right. to fade. <laughs> Number one, mad, mad, mad. The boys explore alternate episode titles. And this is, of course, where our title, uh, uh, Too Many Dicks <laughs> on the Holodeck, come from. And we listen in as the great bird of the galaxy teaches a master class on how to name a planet. And then he goes back to the writing room. He's like, fellas, I got it. It's got to be finest. <laughs> finest. <laughs> Join us when STTNG boldly goes where no one has gone before. Straight to planet Binus. <laughs>
Rambo, what mean expendable?